A dream can be anything, whether yours is to start a business, be in a healthy relationship, pursue your dream career, or to get right spiritually. Every week, the Dream Check Podcast brings you advice, encouragement, and real-life insight from people who are living their dreams to the fullest. I'm Nicole Ivanoff, an established international wedding photographer, a wife, a dog mom, coffee enthusiast, but most famously known for my sweatsuit collection. Like you, I have so many dreams, some of which I've lived out and others I'm still pursuing daily. I'm a girl from suburban Detroit who's made her way out to LA, and although I'm no guru, I have a heart to empower, activate, and sharpen those dreams that may be lying dormant in your life. If I or anyone who comes on this podcast can do it, so can you. Welcome to the show, time to check in. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is Riley Sewell reporting to you. And I know you have been walking alongside Nicole listening to her Dream Check podcast, but I'm here to tell you she is the real deal. She is truly one of the most wonderful people I've ever met. She is generous. She is kind. And I know you listen to her and you're like, I love her, but she's even more lovable in person. And I'm here to tell you she is worth listening to. She is incredible. And that is all because of the way that she has spent time with Jesus and how she has surrendered and submitted her life to Jesus. And I'm here to tell you that Riley Sewell is on today's episode and I'm blushing as we speak. Time to check in. (laughs) Welcome to the show. What a grand entrance, Riley. Uh, You guys, this is Riley's third time on the podcast. Wow. Riley Riley Sewell. Did I say it right? Nice. Yes. Soon to be Mrs. Kehoe. Kehoe. A little teaser for the episode (laughs) uh, topic. Welcome, Riley. Thank you. You you guys, well, you will see her. She has got a barefoot blanket. Is that what it is? <laughs> I think so. She but is, I feel, I'm like so comfortable right now. We're sitting here drinking coffee and I'm about to talk about some things that we love talking about. This is perfect. It's going to be amazing. Thank you so much, by the way. Oh, you're welcome. Yesterday we shot her engagement <laughs> photos, you guys. <laughs> it's It was so amazing. The lighting was perfect. It was beautiful. We did them in Malibu. Mm -hmm. And I'm just so freaking excited for this next chapter. Thank you. So we're going to talk about a couple of things. Mm -hmm. We had this, you know, script and PDF of questions. And right before we started recording, we were like, I think we're supposed to talk about something else. Mm. So let's fill everyone in. The last two episodes, you were single, a single Mm -hmm. woman pursuing God. Mm -hmm. Where are we now? We have a ring on our finger. That is where we're at. (laughs) And it's so cool. It's been like such a wild love story that came out of the blue, but it's insane to be living in the thing that you prayed for for years and the thing that you preached on and researched and like wanted. And then the miracle is happening and I'm just walking in a miracle and it's so wild. I have so many questions. So I'm going to start with, do you feel like you were prepared to meet Jack? Yes and no. I I'm I love singleness. And I think that singleness is a gift, truly. And it's so wild how so many of us are in this season of singleness and we don't open the gift. Let alone do we not open the gift and use the gift or use the gift to help other people. And so I knew that I was like, you know what? If God has put me in singleness right now, then it's good for me and it's great for the kingdom. Like I think of the scripture, God has plans to prosper you and not harm you. Mm -hmm. So when I was single, I was like, 
it just makes sense. Like I trust God is good and therefore singleness is to prosper me. And so I did as much as I could to use the gift of singleness and like use it to become somebody that I would want to date. My mom was like, it's not about like who you date, but it's rather about like, would you date you? And I think by the time Jack came into my life, I was truly could confidently say like, yeah, I'd want to date me. Like, I just, I've learned so much from Jesus that came out of the intimacy of with him. But then there's things that you just, the vulnerability of love is mm-hmm. just wild. Like you know all the things and you're ready, but then love enters your life and you're like, wow, I did not expect I would cry this much. And I didn't expect that there would be conflict. And it's not a fairy tale, but it's better, but it's deeper. And and it's more revealing. Like you are so revealed in love. Like mm. love, it feels like Jack holds a mirror to my face every day yes. and is like, look at yourself. And I'm like, I didn't even know. Put the mirror down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't know I respond in that way. And I can be like unhealthy in this way and selfish in this way. And so I feel prepared. And then parts of it, I just, it's the journey. And I really feel like God has used Jack to help me become more like him. Yeah, I think that's amazing. And I, you know, I always say like, you don't have to be completely healed yeah. to, mm-hmm. to meet your person. I think mm-hmm. that, like you just said, when you meet the person God has for you, mm-hmm. they will reveal in a healthy, positive way, parts that still need healing and then help you heal in those areas totally. in a healthy, non-toxic way. Yeah, like you know how people will preach like you have to be fully content before he enters your life. I actually don't believe that. I don't think God sits down and he's like, you have to be fully satisfied for me to meet your person. Cause that's not God's heart. Like mm-hmm. he just blesses us even when we don't think we're worthy of it because that shows his grace even better than if mm-hmm. he had gone the other way. Yeah, I think what I think is unhealthy is you have to have someone to be content. Yeah. So I think of it as like, you need to be happy on your own and mm-hmm. knowing whose you are, which is God's daughter first. And then you know, you can give your heart to someone else mm-hmm. in that way. But I think, oh, being fully content. No, we, we're always working on things. Yeah. I just think it's like unhealthy to need a relationship to be happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was in, I was, I was waitressing a few years ago and these girls were talking about codependency. One of them was studying therapy and she was talking about how like, we'll be codependent on a person or codependent on a drug or a process or whatever it is. And as I'm sitting here, like listening to her talk, I heard the voice of the Lord say, because daughter, you were made to be codependent on me. Mm. And I was like, whoa, no wonder we search for like the person or the thing to be codependent on. But yeah, it's just showing our heart's desires to be like fully reliant on him. Mm. Like Jack and I the other day were talking about how like if I haven't spent time with Jesus in the morning, then I become like even more like demand, like I want more from him. I'm like, tell me more words of affirmation. Give me more hugs or whatever. (laughs) But that's because I haven't been like first fueled by the one who I was made to be codependent on. So then I'm shifting my codependency to be on Jack. That'll preach to me (laughs) in marriage. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. What do you think are a couple gifts of singleness? Mm, That's so good. I... I think that Pete Scazzaro in a book, Emotionally Healthy Leader, who says that singleness shows the breadth of God's love and marriage shows the depth of God's love. Mm -hmm. So I think a gift of singleness is community. Like we can, we have time. Like that's a huge gift of singleness. Like 
dating Jack, I'm like, you know, it's a, it's a huge time mm-hmm. where you're putting, you want to put time into this person. It's work. Yeah, oh, so much. Yeah. And yet when you're single, you can put time into just like making community and healing yourself. But I was, so I would say one, community, two, time, three, healing. Like I would, I would go to therapy. I found my mentors. I just knew that I needed to learn what was going on in me and like re- yeah, like I, something that I really struggle with is um, my dad did a lot of work. Like he was just like with the CEOs of big companies. So he wasn't always around. And so it was not a bad thing at all. But I then decided that I, to love someone well, it, that meant they'd be around, not around a lot. Mm. Like emotionally unavailable or physically unavailable is what equaled love. Mm. And so then when I was in this, I had therapy with this lady one day and she was like, oh, okay, so you're really attracted to emotionally unavailable men because of this, like what grew up, what you grew up with. And I was like, whoa, what? And then I had a friend a few weeks later ask me like, Riley, when was the last time you liked someone who liked you back? Mm. And, and so this is like this gift of singleness for me to realize I was attracted attracted to something that wasn't healthy and I had the space to rewire it so that I could prepare for for healthy love. That's so good. <laughs> what do you think is like the number one thing that you learned in singleness that helped prepare you mm. for Jack? That love. Like I would date people thinking, how do they help me? Mm-hmm. How would they purpose my dreams? But love spends so much time thinking about the other person. Jesus came to earth and took on our sins and our mistakes. He did not need to, but he did. And he showed us that his like true love is serving and giving. Mm-hmm. And so I had to do that first by practicing it. And so like I would start volunteering or like I had this rule where every day I try to find the one where so every day I try to find one person I'd bless. Mm-hmm. And so putting in these like daily habits that help me serve more. And so when I date Jack now, I mean, it's really easy to think, okay, what is he giving to me? But I'm like, no, okay, shift it again. Like, how can I give to him? Mm. Yeah, there's a, I don't know who said it or if it's a quote, but you should always be trying to outgive each other. Like mm. always be trying to outserve each other and yeah. that will help your relationship, your marriage, whatever it is last. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're both, we're called to serve one another and it, it gets so hard in you know marriage and the engagement season, mm-hmm. there's like so much going on in life when it's like, oh, it's easy to pull the um, like comparison. Yeah. <laughs> where it's like, well, I did this, this, and this. Can you at mm-hmm. least do this? And it's really hard. We have to like retrain our brains to be mm-hmm. like, okay, but not to be like cheesy, but what would Jesus do? You yeah. know? Yeah, and it's not 50-50, it's 100-100. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nico always has to say, we're on the same team. Mm-hmm. And there's the mirror in front of me. That's like my pride and stubbornness. Mm-hmm. That's like, well, I this, 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 and this. <laughs> and he's like, nope, we're not fighting each other. We're fighting the enemy, you know? Yeah, that's and, so good. Ugh, gosh, it's, yeah. Yeah, because love, Jack and I were talking about this yesterday. Love has no debt. Mm-hmm. Like we think, okay, I'll give you this and then I owe you. But that's something we're learning very, like yesterday we were learning it. Mm-hmm. Of like, no, choosing to be like, nope, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to give. 
you freely, just as Jesus gave freely. Love shows no record of wrongdoing. Amen. And that is one of the hardest things about marriage. What is opinion. what is the thing that you're glad you did in singleness? I like love whenever I interview you. I turn it around and I interview, interview you. Me. Um, wait, what was the question? Like the thing you're the most glad you learned in singleness. Um, God's love, because Mm -hmm. I didn't grow up with an example of a healthy relationship. And so Mm -hmm. I think the healthiest thing I did to prepare for Nico was surround myself with couples where God's the center of their relationship. So I could really see what that was like and what a healthy relationship looks like. Because if it's not modeled to Mm -hmm. you, how do you know? And that's why like, I grew Mm -hmm. up dating toxic guys and emotionally unavailable. I love my dad, but he's emotionally not really available. Like Mm. we don't share our feelings in our house and that's okay. Um, I think that's just a pattern of their own upbringing, obviously. Mm. And as an adult, I can say that now, but you know, I had like a skewed vision of what love looked like. Mm. I was okay with being yelled at and mistreated because to me that was normal. And so I think the healthiest thing I did was read about what God says about love and relationships and sex and all those things. Otherwise, the world will tell you what it means. Mm. And then surrounding yourself with healthy relationships, relationships of which you want to have. Because Mm. I remember looking at relationships and being like, what? That was so nice. (laughs) I remember one time I went on a date and the guy opened the door for me and I came home from the date and I told my roommate and she was like, how was your date? And I was like, oh, he opened the door for me. Could you believe it? And she was like, I can believe it. That's the bare minimum. What else did he do? (laughs) And I was just so shocked Mm. by the like gentleman-ness of this Mm -hmm. guy that I, because it was so not normal to me, mm. I like was shocked and impressed by it. And like, that's that's a low standard. Yeah. And so I really had to continue to surround myself with healthy couples to see like, what is the standard? What is mm. God's standard for our relationships? And so I would say, I would say those couple things. Yeah. And as you're speaking right now, it's honestly getting me a little emotional because I just think about how, like how many people grow up with love that like wasn't mm. healthy and wasn't good. And like, they didn't see like the way that Jesus wants to love them. And mm. I just like want to encourage you, like if you grew up with abuse and like dysfunction that like God just, he hates that for you. And he like cried with you and he never left you. And like your memories will start to heal when you realize that God was in every single one. And he like cried with you and he's near the brokenhearted and he wants to redeem what you think is love. And he wants to do that hopefully in singleness Mm. so that you enter a relationship and you know what is healthy love and what is unhealthy love. So good. And you know what? I just thought of the story I was telling you and Jack about the couple from that wedding I shot. Yeah. Before I even knew God, I like that Mm. wedding was so special to me because their love was a love I had never seen before, the way they interacted. Mm -hmm. And it was the Holy Spirit. And I was like so overwhelmed with this couple and how well they loved each other, Mm -hmm. just as a stranger and an outsider seeing it. And I just, I stand with you in that. Like God sits with us in those moments of like, oh, well, I never saw it. I've never seen a healthy relationship. Mm. I'm never going to have one. Mm. So what would you say to someone? Like, what is something someone can do who maybe grew up in a toxic home, has Mm. only ever dated toxic guys, and they're just at a point in their life where they're like, I don't even know where I'd meet a good guy, or I'm not worthy of 
a good, healthy relationship. I think it's important to know that your brain believes everything you say is truth. Like our brain is like, oh, you look in the mirror and you're like, I'm ugly. Your brain's like, okay, we're ugly. And so like saying things over yourself, even when you don't yet believe it, is actually truly going to rewire your brain. And a really fun fact is that your brain is the most receptive to change right when you're about to fall asleep and right when you wake up. And so my spiritual mentor, like I was really struggling with lies about myself and love. And so my spiritual mentor would get me to wake up in the morning every single day. And I did this for like 40 days straight. I'd wake up and I'd wake up and be like, I deserve love. I am lovable when I am sad. I can grieve and people will stay with me. Like, well, I would just pick these things that I find the lie and I'd cross out the lie and like rebuke the lie. And then I would replace it with what is true. And then I take that truth and I'd say it to myself every single time I woke up in the morning. And my brain slowly started to rewire and rewire. And then I I believed that I deserved love, that I was worthy Mm -hmm. of love and worthy of good love. And so that's like a practical tip that has really helped me and... I mean, I'm just a huge fan of like therapy and mentorship. I think that really helps. And just, yeah, just God wants to heal that. And he has therapy and like mentors that would love to do that with you. That's great advice. We love therapy on this podcast. (laughs) We really do. (laughs) Yeah, we do. Big (laughs) advocates. Okay, so diving a little deeper. um, Mm -hmm. I know you grew up Christian, um, wonderful parents, Mm -hmm. and you've been practicing purity. Mm, And so- Yeah, we're going to go there. What is your purity journey? We'll just start Mm. there. Oh, such a good question. So when I was 12, my mom took me away on this this thing called the weekend. And I did not know what it was. But I was like, there was so much hype. My mom and dad would be like, you're going to go on the weekend soon. I'm like, the weekend, what is this? And so I go away and my mom and I stay in this like cozy little Airbnb in the forest in New Zealand. And there was like a bathtub outside and we had breakfast in bed. And I'm like living my best life. It's like with my mom. My mom was like my best friend. And that weekend, she teaches me about puberty, about sex, about masturbation. And we just sit there and she's teaching me everything. And the first time she tells me sex, she's like, it's when this happens to this. And like tells me very straightforward. I sit there and I look at her. She's like waiting. Like she has no idea what I'm going to say. I look at her. I'm like, (laughs) that is the most beautiful thing I have ever heard. (laughs) And my sisters. So then that's the standard for what my mom thinks my sisters are going to respond. And one sister is like, that is so gross. Are you kidding me? And the other sister is just stares at a wall. It's like, what? Speechless. (laughs) Speechless. And so that's when I first heard what sex was. And I'm so thankful because... Unfortunately, nowadays, I think it's over 80% of kids learn about sex through pornography. And it's like when we have, it's called a first interpretation theory. And it's the idea that we create majority of our opinions the first time we hear something. And I just think I'm so grateful that the first time I ever heard about sex was through my, like through my mom. And so then like later on, like I knew I could ask my mom about anything. And so I'd like one day, one day I jump in, I come home from school. I jump in the car and she's driving me home. My like, mom, what's a blowjob? And she's like, okay, I can't believe we're talking about this right now. But like, <laughs> I just, I'm so glad I had parents like who have healthy sex lives Mm -hmm. and would be like, just tell us how great it is. And Mm -hmm. so I really grew up with a really, I think a really healthy um, education of sex. But I started 
masturbating when I was like a young girl. And honestly, at first I had no idea what was going on. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I know this feels good, but I have no idea. And then it was like this thing that I kept hidden for years and it caused so much shame Mm -hmm. because then I realized what I was doing and I like, I just felt bad. Like I just knew after I'd finished, like I had conviction that it was wrong. Mm -hmm. And I dated like all the while I was like dated, I dated a few people and we'd only ever make out and the making out was really fun. But I just had this thing that was hidden and I just think about how Adam and Eve, like how did they respond when they sinned? They hid. Mm-hmm. Like our response to sin is to hide. And yet God is so unfazed by our sin. There's no sin he hasn't heard of or seen. And yet God is love. He can't be outside of love. And so I just wish I knew that God loved me even when I was doing these things that I knew wasn't right. And so flash forward, I moved to America and I'm still struggling with it. Like it would go through cycles where it'd be like, like I would do it, then I'd repent and then I'd stop and then I'd do it again. And then it was just like, it kept going, going, going. But I'm like, I can't break this. Like why? Um, and like with people that I was dating, like all of that was really healthy. Like I was keeping my boundaries. I was only making out with them, but I just struggled with this thing. And then I, I'm so with a friend one time, one day and all of a sudden I tell her, I've never told anyone. And she is like, wait, she's like me too. And I'm like, mm. what? And then I just realized like I wasn't alone in it. Mm-hmm. And you're not alone in the thing that you're struggling with. There are people around you that maybe they're struggling with the very same thing. And then afterwards, I like would, something that would probably repeat to myself over and over again is God has never loved me more than this moment. Mm-hmm. And so like, I just want to encourage you, like even when you fall back into it, God has never loved you more than this moment. And I know that the world just makes sex seem not good and our purity, like our sexuality, not good. And the church shames it, but God loves sex and he Mm -hmm. loves our sexuality, but he has given us these boundaries to have that are not, not because he's disciplining us, but he's, he's trying to protect us. There's a reason that sex is good when it's in marriage mm-hmm. and why he wants to hold it back from then. Because it's so like when you orgasm, you release oxytocin, which bonds you. Mm-hmm. And so it's so tough to be like bonded to a screen. Like God wants you to be in the safety of covenant bonding over and over again to one another. Yeah, I think it just comes down to our heart. Like above all else, guard your heart. Mm-hmm. And when you're connecting with someone that deeply, mm-hmm that's the opposite of guarding your heart. And that was pretty much my story. I was sleeping with everyone for so long and it it landed me nowhere, Mm -hmm. but like feeling unloved. Mm -hmm. And I was giving so much of myself to so many people and it landed me nowhere until Mm -hmm. I learned God's love and his design for sex. I literally said to myself, and I was a Christian for like two seconds. I was like, okay, well, People I like know are doing it and like I've done mm-hmm. it this way for so long. I'm just gonna try it God's way, whatever that is. Yeah. And like see what happens. It was literally just like a game in my head. And then as I was like playing this quote unquote game, I was actually learning like, oh my gosh, this works. Like mm. I slowly started attracting better, more emotionally available men. I slowly started attracting men that actually weren't after my body, but they Mm -hmm. were actually after my heart. And, you know, at the end of the day, it led me to Nico. And so Mm -hmm. what would you say is the biggest lie the world tells us about sex or about purity? Mm. Oh man, that's such a good question. That it's not worth the wait. It's not Mm -hmm. worth protecting. We give ourselves, like the world wants us to give ourselves away 
not knowing how much it cost. Mm. Like it cost enough for Jesus to die on the cross. Like it costs and it's worthy and it's such a gift. And like, I'm so excited to get married and have sex and know like it was hard. Like there were times when I like could have had sex and like people wanted to have sex with me, but I I didn't. And it was, I like needed the Lord so much. Like there's this mm-hmm. one particular moment when this like model black man and I were like on this date and we like end up back at my apartment and he literally said to me, like, give yourself to me. Mm. And I like, I was so physically attracted to him. We're like alone in our apartment. And I'm like, oh man, I wanted to like so much. And like, we're just lying on the couch. Like, we didn't even kiss yet. And I knew that if I did, I don't know if I could have stopped it. Like, I don't think I could have stopped it. And I prayed to the Lord. I was like, Jesus, I need your help so much right now. Like, I cannot do this without you. And I want to keep this, but I need you. And that's the thing is it's not our strength that carries us to the wedding night. It's his strength that carries Mm -hmm. us to the wedding night. And the craziest thing happened. So we're like lying on this bed, like he's about to initiate things. He's like saying, give yourself to me. And I'm praying. I'm like literally holding the edge of the bed, like praying, like (laughs) Jesus help me. And he jumps out of the bed, grabs his keys. And he's like, I am not allowed to be here. I have to leave. He, I sprints out of the house and I never see him again. It was like God being like, I will protect you Mm -hmm. because it is worth it. Your sexuality is worth it. And let me just say, like, if you feel like you've gone too far, God is in the business of redemption. Like he loves rewriting writing stories of like brokenness and like desperation into restoration. Like that is, he loves that. And I just think about how like when a, a forest is burnt down and then it grows up again, it the trees grow up stronger. Like you're gonna grow up stronger in this. And my mom, she used to say, take all the things that you did that you regret when it comes to your sexuality, throw in a lake and put up a sign saying no fishing. And it's just this idea of just like, let it be. Like God is going to like, he can rewire you and rewire you to like towards purity. Purity is not like something you lose. It's something you gain Mm. as you go closer to Jesus. And so I'm just so sorry to the person who has believed this lie that once you've had sex or once you've lost your virginity in a world that like glorifies, like Christian world that glorifies virginity, that you can't gain back your purity because you can, because Jesus's whole story is like brokenness turned into wholeness. I remember when I first started my purity journey and I was, you know, testing God, I had like a year where I didn't have sex. And then I, and I was at this point, like I was a Christian for like three months and I felt like God was like, start a Bible study or start a women's group on purity and sex and dating. And this is when I was like obsessed. Like I was a know-it-all for sure, but I had been consuming so much information. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) She read every book, yes, in every book. And I was humbled really fast because I got myself into a situation a year in as I'm leading Mm. this group and I was around the wrong group of people, was doing the wrong things and ended up sleeping with someone that night. Mm. I had to come back the next week and tell 30 women in my living room, hey, um, 
So I slept with someone last weekend and I just want to like apologize to the group essentially. And I remember in that moment and my friends had encouraged me like, if you had kept this to yourself, it probably would have ate you alive. But because you were open with it and gave it to God and you basically let the girls know like you can mess up and come back. Like Mm. it's okay. And then I feel like what you just said, I was so much stronger after that. Mm -hmm. And that was my first time that I ever had sex and felt convicted. So I kind of feel like I needed to feel that like, I'd never experienced conviction with sex before. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like God was like, I'm going to give you this conviction because Mm -hmm. you're not going to want this to happen again. You're going to be so much stronger because of this. And then didn't have sex again until my husband. And it was, I'm not going to say it was easy, but at the same time, like I was so excited for that. How was that wait? Once you found the person you knew you were going to marry, that must have been hard. I think it was Easy, I say easy, like lightly. It was easy because Nico was leading me in it. Mm. And so that's why I'm always like equally yoked, please. Because if you want to (laughs) wait and he'll wait for you, he actually doesn't understand the wait. And he will Mm. constantly try and like walk the line of temptation, which we're supposed Mm. to flee from all temptation. And so if he's constantly trying to see how far you can go, who's really stopping you, you know? And so so I personally believe the man should be leading in that area because otherwise a man is, it's, if it's hard for a woman, it's even harder for a man. Mm. And so I think without Nico being graced for that, I think both of mine and Nico's calling and purpose is going to be on that topic. And Mm. so I think it's no coincidence that God paired me with someone that he graced for that specific area. And so I think it was easy-ish because I had a man that was leading me in it. Mm-hmm. And now the real question was, was it worth the white? 1,000%. I was telling you guys <laughs> the story last night, but it's such a fun memory like to tell our kids one day. Like I remember the drive home to the hotel <laughs> after the wedding, like just so awkward, but like mm-hmm. excitement. And, like, mm-hmm. and for people listening that are like, oh, I've already had sex. Like what's the difference going to be? There's a difference. Like mm-hmm. you have this like, I guess it's hard to explain without like experiencing it, but yeah. there's like there's a difference when you wait. Mm. What would you say to someone who feels like they have been waiting their whole life mm. and walking with God, doing all the right things, and is still single, still waiting, and yeah. maybe is feeling like I should just have sex. Maybe I'll find mm. someone that way. I actually feel like you're meant to answer that. Me? Mm-hmm. What would you say to that person? <laughs> who said Riley could come back on the show? <laughs> I'm turning this around to you. Um, I think, well, I wasn't a virgin. Mm. So I think that it's worth the wait for a lot of reasons. I think mm. that when you wait on God's best, it's always going to be your best. Yeah. The best for you. And giving yourself up just because you're lacking trust in God, because I think that's kind of what it comes down to a little bit. You're going to regret that more than just waiting five more years of singleness. Waiting, Mm -hmm. You could literally, and you know this, meet your husband tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And are you really going to risk what you've already waited for? Yeah. When you don't know what God has in the next door you walk through. Mm -hmm. And so I just think it's so like cheesy and much easier said than done, but the wait really is worth it. And I know who am I to say only waited, you know, a couple years, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But if I could take it back, all the people I slept with, I would take it back in a heartbeat. Yeah. You're you're such a gifted communicator. Oh, thank you. As I'm like trying not to cry. (laughs) She's going to make me sit in my cries. (laughs) 
<laughs> I think feelings are so beautiful. I know. I'm the opposite. I'm like, can we cut that out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I remember you and Tori and Chad. Tori mm-hmm. said to me, she said, with every month that you wait, it's like a gold coin is thrown in a bank account. Mm. And I just love That's that good. idea. Like imagine you standing next to like a pile of gold coins and the Lord like looks at your sacrifices. I really truly believe like God's love language is obedience and like a requirement of obedience is often sacrifice. And I just know that you stand there next to a pile of gold coins. And the Lord is so proud of your gold coins because the Lord like searches this world and he is trying to find the faithful and the obedient and you Mm -hmm. are that. And um, I just know that if you could just see how heaven would respond to your obedience, you would realize why it's worth it. Like angels hear your name and clap because you have been so obedient and have had had to sacrifice so much. Speaking of obedience, you taught me this, but obedience is God's love language. Mm -hmm. How do we walk in obedience? Like if Mm -hmm. maybe someone is struggling to hear what God is saying, how do we know how to walk in obedience? I mean, I think it comes down to to hearing the voice of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so many of us struggle to hear his voice. We're not taught how to hear his voice. And I just know like, it just comes down to time with him. And even when you think he's silent, like even his silence is like his comfortability around you. There's so there's so many ways to, to take this um, question, but like one, like reading the word because the word word is like the manuscript. It's like the map to how we should live. And so when we read the word, then we'll know more about God's character and who will know what he would say in certain situations. And then two, it's about like being surrounded by people who hear the voice of the Lord. And so that you can like listen and like learn from them. And then three, it is spending time alone with him and and knowing that he speaks. Like I'll use imaginative prayer, like closing your eyes, imagining you're sitting on a bed with, with Jesus and Jesus speaks to you. And whatever you think he says, trust that. Mm-hmm. Like use these fun, imagine your imagination is such a gift from God. Use that to like help you learn his voice. And there are times even before I was a Christian where I had those moments Mm. and I'll never forget the feeling I felt when I stepped off the plane the first time I ever visited California. Mm. And it was like this feeling and this like voice that was like your home. And like little did I know I would move there and like literally meet God here like two months Mm -hmm. after moving here. And it was such like a, I, the feeling was overwhelming. And I was like, I always got freaked out by that. And I always call like, oh, my intuition or my gut is saying like, you're supposed to move to LA. And now mm-hmm. I always say like, trust your gut. And I always say, mm-hmm. my gut is God. Like, that's mm-hmm. so weird, but I always- that's cool, I like that. I always just feel like whatever your intuition is saying, I feel like that's like God whispering sometimes. And there's sometimes times in your mind where a random thought pops in. Mm-hmm. And that's because that, I truly believe that's Jesus. Like if it's like a random good thought, that's mm-hmm. Jesus like interrupting and putting his thoughts in our thoughts. We have the mind of Christ. But I also would just add on to the question about obedience is like people will say delayed obedience is disobedience. And Mm. I do think about like how there is a sense of urgency. Like there, I'm going to share a story and I don't know if I've ever shared it, 
but I was coming home from a waitressing shift one day and I heard the Lord say, go, like get in your car and go home now. And all my friends were inviting me out for dinner and I usually, I'm so social, I'd usually Mm -hmm. go. But I felt the Lord being like, go, you need to go right now. And all of a sudden I'm walking down the stairs to the parking lot and then I'm running, I'm running to my car and I'm like, I don't understand, but I need to go. And I get in the car and I'm driving home. And as I'm driving home, I'm going over a bridge and there's a young boy sitting on the edge of a bridge. And I pull Mm -hmm. off my car. I end up climbing on the bridge with this man and he's trying to kill himself. Mm -hmm. And I lead him to the Lord. And I just think about that. And he, this man, his his name was Momo. And he is now like leads worship and is like this incredible man of God. We have this life-changing conversation on the bridge. And I just know that there is something behind God asking you to move. Like there mm-hmm. is some impact that the Lord wants you to. Your life was not meant to be lived just for yourself. Like God wants you to have impact on so many people. Mm. And the reason he's asking you to do something is not because he's trying to discipline you or he's mean to you. He is giving you an opportunity to make impact. And Mm. there's a sense of urgency often behind God asking us to do something. I had a friend in one of my, the women group, and Mm. we were talking about the power of prayer and the urgency of it. Mm. And she had woken up in the middle of the night and had this like weird urgency that God was like asking her to pray for protection over like this, I don't know if it's her boyfriend or guy friend. So she's like praying for him. And then she calls him and she was like, are you okay? And I, he was like doing some like work in the house and he was basically like a centimeter away from his head being like smashed into something. And literally the moment she woke up and prayed for him, he like missed the, no whatever the incident that was about to happen. Wow. And every time I think of that your story and that story, I'm like, gosh, when we're, when God gives us that, like pray for this person or mm. go out and speak words of encouragement over this person or go say something to that stranger. And a lot of times, like I've been in positions where I'll be in a Starbucks and God will be like, go compliment this person mm-hmm. on this. And I'm like, I'm tired. I, just, <laughs> I don't feel like doing that. And then I get convicted after because yeah. I feel like that could have changed their day or, mm-hmm. you know, and so I think it goes back to the obedience. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to ask you real quick because <laughs> what do you think now that you're in a happily healthy relationship, mm-hmm engaged, about to be married, what is something that has surprised you in being in this relationship? Ooh, it's really like picking your best friend you want to have sex with. Mm. Like, it's so fun. (laughs) Like, it's so much fun. Like, it's like someone you're attracted to that you want to do ministry with, but it's just been like, I didn't think it would be not not necessarily this easy because it's been vulnerable and intimate and hard, but it's it's been so fun. Like we just have the time of our lives together and the mundane, I have never had so much fun in a supermarket with anybody other than Jack. Mm. And it's like, Jesus is so in the big moments, but he's also in the little moments. And I have just, it's been so refreshing just to like pick somebody and see our friendship grow and realize that we're going to get to do life together and it's going to be fun. Is there anything now that you're in a relationship that you would have done in your single season to prepare more? Mm, Whoa, what a question. I think I probably would have dived a bit more into family dynamics Mm. and just to know like you're, you come as a person today, but you also are so wired by your upbringing and your parents' relationship and your generational curses and blessings. And you just, it just, 
it really influences your everyday life. And so I think I would have spent more time like with trusted people or on my own kind of diving into like family dynamics. Mm -hmm. And why is it that when somebody does this, that person responds this way? Because Jack has really helped me just come in with like such curiosity to ask questions about like my family and why I respond in certain ways and what's healthy and what's unhealthy. And so I think I would have spent a little more time just curiously like approaching my family and like what I have inherited and how to pray through the things that I don't want my children to deal with. That's really good because even within marriage, I would say the hardest part Mm. is the different family dynamics. It's really challenging. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're experiencing that. What do you think is the hardest part about being in a healthy relationship? I think it's what I said earlier about somebody showing a mirror to your heart and Mm -hmm. you're having to realize these things that you could avoid in singleness. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't need to realize how self-focused I could be or that I would give and hope that somebody gives back to me. Like these things that aren't true and aren't godly. I think that's been really hard just to be like, whoa, okay. And Jack is literally so wonderful. I learned so much about him. And yeah, there was like, even this time the other night where we were like, didn't fully connect on a phone call. And I was about to go to the gym and we were just gonna, I was just gonna go to the gym and we were, I was just gonna sit in my like disconnection with him. And he was gonna go hang out with his friends. But then Jack called me and he's like, hey, like, I really don't like how that ended. Like, can we connect? And I was like, Dang it, he's just so godly. And I love it though. I learned so much about him. But in that moment, I was like realizing I would have just sat in my like disconnection for the next few hours until we called again later. But like Jack chose me and he chose to like choose connection in that moment. And so it's really so, such a remarkable an intimate and and challenging journey to date someone who reminds you of Jesus because they call you higher. I would say it's more challenging than anything else. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it's, a, it's a beautiful disaster. Yeah, it really it really is, <laughs> yeah. and it's an everyday mm-hmm. an everyday process, and that's why mm-hmm. they say marriage is work. Mm-hmm. Like it's beautiful, but it's work. You're constantly sharpening each other, mm-hmm. even when you don't want to be sharpened. Mm-hmm. I'm like I'm I want to be dull today. Thank you. <laughs> and they're like, "Nope, we're going to hold up the mirror to your pride." I'm like, "Yeah. Great." Um, what would you say is something you're most excited for within marriage outside of sex? I love I how knew you that knew was, I, I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, minus that. Probably figuring out what ministry is going to look like with Jack and I, Mm. because we both have very unique giftings and they're kind of different from each other. So I'm really like curious to see how it's going to work. Like Jack is such a community builder. He's such a person of prayer. Like he could just pray without ceasing for hours. And I'm like two minute prayer and we're we're off. And, (laughs) And my giftings is more like speaking and writing. And so I'm just really curious to see how the Lord is going to align us for his glory and his mission. Like God has a purpose. He's doing something on this earth right now and even in your own life. And I'm just curious to see how he'll use us for his impact. Because I know it'll be big. I think we're all excited for that. I (laughs) am personally so excited to see what God does. Mm. I mean, I don't know Jack's story, which we're going to find that out soon. But I am very excited to see 
together the impact you guys are going to make and it's going to be huge. And I know... And I don't want to say too much because we're gonna. I'm gonna ask these questions, you guys. We're having Jack on the next episode. I'm so excited for this. I know everyone's dying to know why I haven't asked how they met yet, but mm-hmm. I'm gonna let them share it on the next episode. So you'll just have to tune into that one. Um, but yeah, I'm just so excited to see what God does through the both of you together. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be a force to be reckoned with for sure. Amen. Amen. All right, should we bring Jack on the show? I think we should. All right, guys, you heard it here first. Next week's episode, Jack is coming on with Riley and they're going to share their sides of the story, how they met and what God is doing through them together. So do not forget to tune into that one.